It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I cry at really weird stuff. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. The 1-1. Swung on high fly ball, deep right center. Back on it is Kepler. Near the wall with Buxton still carrying. And it's gone! How about that for Chris Herman? And his second Oakland at bat. He clocks a grand slam off of Jake Odorizzi. And just like that, the A's take a 6-3 lead. Chris Herman? Chris Herman. That's who hit that, yes. Like former Twins backup catcher Chris Herman. I didn't know that he was a former Twins backup catcher. Before well, you just said that. Now now that you know, isn't it a little bit more uh, it hurts demoralizing the loss bit. last night in a Oakland? Bit. Did you guys see who was playing left field? By the way, Manny Hill is in for Jonathan today. Judd is off. So it's Mackie and Judd with, with Rami with without Manny. Judd, right. without Jonathan with Manny. There you is go. how the show title is, is today. <laughs> uh, the left fielder last night for the victorious Oakland Athletics was Robbie Grossman. None other than legendary Robbie Grossman, who was one of the Twins' best hitters for like three months. I want to say three years ago now. Nobody could draw a walk like Robbie Grossman, man. No, that dude worked counts. (laughs) Top five count worker in Twins history. So my question to you, Rami Makhlouf, Manny Hill, are you guys glass half full or glass half empty in in nature? Just in life. Half? Oh, I thought you meant with the Twins. No, I'm a glass half full guy for the most part. Yeah, in general, yes. I'm a glass half full guy. I mean, you're an optimistic guy, right? Yeah, I'm a glass half full guy, totally, yeah. And I am I am as well. So I almost feel like like we're not representing the Judd aspect of this conversation. But if I, I were... I am with everything, myself being the exception. Like, when I look at myself, it's always glass half empty. <laughs> okay. But things outside of me... <laughs> You're self-loathing. Glass half full, yes. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Because if I was if I was glass half empty, I would say the lead has been cut from 12 games to 7 in a fairly short amount of time. Cleveland Indians are red hot right now. The Twins have a pitching staff with two guys who went from carriage to pumpkin here, Martin Perez and Jake Odorizzi. Now Odorizzi's on the DL with a blister. And the team that beat you last night took two of your former cast-off slash backup players, Chris Herman and Robbie Grossman, which is like two classic A's players. Robbie Grossman, let's just like pluck him off the wire and put him in left field. And they beat you, and now you're going into a weekend in which you're scratching and clawing just to keep your lead from dwindling to five or six before the All-Star break. And you only have two All-Stars, by That's the way. glass half empty. That's glass half That's empty. That's glass yeah. half empty, Phil. Yes. What's glass half full, Phil, say? And glass half full, Phil, is I'm trying to I'm trying for that to be like the 60-40 in the equation. Like I want glass half full, Phil, to prevail at the end of this show and at the end of this weekend, gotcha. whatever happens. Right. Glass half full, Phil, looks from 30,000 feet and says, if you didn't know anything that happened between the beginning of spring training and right now, the weekend before... The All Star Game. If you didn't know anything that happened, you you like you saw the Twins pitchers this and catchers. This is a report. great exercise in a baseball season. I've conducted this very exercise many a time just okay. to give people some perspective and calm them the hell down. Because this is probably what we have to reiterate. Yes. what I'm about to say. If you saw Twins pitchers and catchers report and then you checked out and you went to you went to India for you're five in months. a coma. <laughs> yeah, you were like that uh, that Sand Bullock movie, right? Where she like. Creeps on the coma guy for two hours. And like, you wake up. While you were sleeping. While you were sleeping. I remember that movie. It's yeah. a great movie. Which, by the way, yes. reverse the roles there. And if it's a dude. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
You're opening really up a creepy. whole yeah. new can yeah, of worms creepy. there, man. It's so creepy. So you wake up and you see, A, Sandra Bullock is lurking over you, and B, you're a Twins fan and you're like, holy crap, I missed the whole first half of the season. What happened? And someone says, oh, you're leading seven games over the Indians right now, a couple days before the All-Star break. Yeah. You'd say, what? Yeah. Seven game lead before be the All-Star break? That. Yes. You'd be thrilled with that. So which which path should we be walking down here? Should it be... What, seven-game lead before the All-Star break? That's amazing. We would all take that just in a vacuum. Yes or no, would you take this at the All-Star break? You'd say yes. Mm-hmm. But knowing that it was 12 not very long ago, like like two weeks ago it was a 12-game lead, and Jake Odorizzi got rocked again, has a blister. You got one viable starting pitcher right now. We eh, There's a lot of fans who are walking down that path. Yeah, because we get into the season and we are entrenched in it. And it's as far as baseball goes, it is your complete and total focus. And you can lose perspective with that type of focus. I know why this is happening, why some Twins fans are a little worried or even panicked at the lead dwindling to, to seven games. But again, to I think that question that you asked, that exercise that you just conducted there, Phil, is an exercise in perspective at really looking at where this Twins team is in the big picture, A, compared to where you thought they would be, but just B, how good a spot that they're in. The Indians were the best team in baseball, or in the American League, excuse me, in the month of June. Guess how many games they gained on these struggling Twins being having the best record in the American League in the course of the month of June? Well, five, Was it five? Two and a half. So the, so it started with 10 yeah. or 9.5. They okay. gained 2.5 games with the best record in the American League for a calendar month of the Major League Baseball season. Okay. But that should give you some perspective as well as far as what it would take for for an actual collapse to happen and yeah. the Indians to, to catch the Twins. And again, I'm uh, I'm, I'm working for glass half full fill to, to take over here in, in regardless of what happens in the next few days. But... There's another thing that Twins fans witnessed not that long ago, 2006, which it's like a decade and a half ago, but 2006 is etched in the brains of Twins fans because they did what the Indians are trying to do. The Twins were down by at least 12 games. It might have been more like 13 or 14 games early in that season. They were six games under 500 early June, and the Twins caught fire. They took a 12-game deficit in the American League Central from June 1st going forward. They, they shaved 12 games all the way down. They won the division the last weekend of the season against the Detroit Tigers. So I think there's a lot of Twins fans who are sitting here saying, yeah, seven games is a nice lead to have, and you can do your whole in-a-vacuum talk. But we've seen the other way around. We've seen the Twins erase a 12-game deficit in the same division. So like it's it's been done before. And I think, I guess to put a bow on my thoughts here, I'm not worried. Seven games is still a mountain, especially the Indians are going to, they're going to cool off at some point. They're not just going to play this. They had their best month. They're going to cool off at some point. Twins are going to heat back up. It's baseball. There's ebbs and flows. But don't get too comfortable with the roster and the pitching staff that got you the seven-game lead and before the 12-game lead. I think there's some major warning signs that we were trying to ignore like three or four weeks ago with the starting rotation. I'm good with Jake Odorizzi. I know he he's an all-star. He's not going to pitch in the all-star game because of the blister. But I'm not comfortable with a seven-game lead if that's my number two starter the next three months. I need that guy to be my number three and number four starter. I need to add a piece to the rotation so of the you think, before I feel comfortable with a seven-game lead. Because we've been saying all along that whatever moves are made between now and the trade deadline is about playoff roster construction. Yes. Some, some teams are making moves to either make a playoff push or to hold somebody off if they have the lead for their respective playoff race. The twins all along have been saying you're not making moves for that. You're not you're not going and getting a Madison Bumgarner to get those regular season starts and hold off the Indians. That's not really a concern. You're getting whoever you get, Madison Bumgarner, Will Smith, or anybody else for the postseason to to improve your chances of beating one of these other playoff teams in the American League in a five or seven game series. Now you're cha- but you're changing your tune a little no, bit. No, that's what you just said is still the top priority. You should like you shouldn't be overpaying for a number four starter because your top priority is the the odds are you you're still according to Fangraphs you're still I want to say ninety four percent to make the playoffs eighty nine percent to win your division mm-hmm. that was higher last week and two weeks ago but 
I don't think you can just, now that it's down from 12 to 7, I'm not freaking out here. I'm not Judd-level panic, okay? But I'm not just going to take it for granted. I think any move you make should be priority one, playoffs. But priority two, make sure the Indians don't pull off a miracle here. Like, that's a that's a conversation now, especially with how easy their schedule is in the next two or three weeks compared to some of the games that you have to play. And by the way, you play the Indians a bunch of times, so if you if you get cold against the Indians here, I think you play a three-game series, is it the week after the All-Star break? It's like the, the last week of July, I think. Okay. July so, 24th and something. If you get like this thing, I'm, I'm just saying, let's not take for granted here seven games. This is Minnesota sports. Things can happen. I'm not freaking out yet, but... I'm uh I'll take it I'm, for granted. I'm looking to make a trade. I'm willing to take it for granted. Judd said he tweeted out that with his day off, he's taking the Bombo bus in to have the brakes fixed. <laughs> there's no there's no fixing the brakes on this bus. There this is what I meant. It's when, getting rocky. No, when we've, I we've gone across a couple of rickety bridges here. What you didn't think there was gonna be some 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 white hair moments, some white knuckle moments when I cut I the brakes on this bad boy? Of course there were. This gotcha. wasn't this wasn't gonna be smooth sailing the whole time. There's some sharp turns. There's some potholes. There might be a bridge out that we got to jump. Yeah, that was a, last night was more than a pothole. I think. I think Jake Odorizzi being put on the injured list. He's your all-star starter. Like it's a. I'm with He's you. Miss one start. All-star break is coming up. Jose Barrios is now your all-star pitcher. Everything's fine. Everything is fine. Except you have to play in Oakland again tonight. Other than that, everything is fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's. Yeah, you see Rami getting uh, flamed by. Both A's fans on Twitter last night. Oh, I saw that. <laughs> I was trying to Phil. I was trying to figure out who got an opposing fan base stirred up more. You with Eagles fans leading up to the NFC Championship game a year and a half ago, or Rami last night with A's fans. I didn't even know any of this was happening I, until this morning. <laughs> I swear to you, I didn't know this was happening until this morning. So explain to the audience your your night on social media last night into this morning. So I tweeted out. How should I just pull up the tweets? I can pull up the tweets. I should I should have had this ready to go. But I tweeted out essentially that between the between the drum, what I, and that drum, I don't know how a drum is that loud. Like it's drowning out the PA system. There were times where the PA was trying to play its own drum, like a boom, 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 boom. And the drum in the stadium was A off beat and B so loud that it drowned out the PA operator just gave up. You would just stop after like Two rounds of bum, 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 bum. Do they, do they mic up the drum guy? I don't know. It's so obnoxiously loud. Well, here's the other thing. There's only about 12,000 people there usually during an A's game anyway, so it's pretty easy for the drums That's to true. at least drown yeah. out the crowd. There's a lot of the echo. The PA system, I don't know. I can't speak to that. But there's, there's a lot of echo in the stadium that yeah. empty. It's just reverberating off of seats, <laughs> off of concrete, and the, and the Vuvuzelas. Who's still using Vuvuzelas? Haven't we all unanimously agreed that Vuvuzelas are annoying? It's going back to the World Cup bleep. in 2010, I think. Yeah. It is. 2010. We've come to a consensus. Yeah. Vuvuzelas suck. So I I wake up this morning, and apparently the A's official account retweeted my tweet about the the drum and the Vuvuzelas, liked it, and responded with just thank you. That's all they said. Again, I was I I sent out that tweet and really didn't have a lot of Twitter activity after that. I was having like a little bit of a headache. I was like, stop looking at your phone, Rami. Just put down the phone, enjoy the game, watch this thirty for thirty about hot dog eating, which we'll get which into we'll for sure talk about a little that. bit later. Yeah. I might do the whole hour next hour on just that. Actually. Seriously, it was really good and made me unexpectedly feel feelings. So I wake up this morning and my mentions, my ads are just a war zone. There's fire, there's craters, there's it's it, ruins. It's just a mess of kind of like the Oakland Coliseum in general. Right, exactly. Yeah. Of of A's fans who were upset with me because because of my tweet last night. Is anybody else not annoyed by that? Is anyone not annoyed? I wish I could fight you on this because the, the Cleveland has a drum too. I just yeah, hate right? I hate constant noise for no reason. So the the Vuvuzelas thing bothered me uh, way less oh. in 2010 than most people. And the so and I was watching the game last night with the volume off. I was at a restaurant for a while, so good call. I was oblivious to all this stuff. But the drum thing, I'm a hundred percent with you. I can't watch ga- the, the Cleveland games where that happens. Mm-hmm. The the Oakland games, especially in the empty stadium, like Manny said, were just reverberating. If I'm ranking the reasons why I would never want to watch a game at Oakland Coliseum, 
raw sewage in the hallways is second to the drums. <laughs> like I can I can tiptoe around. I can I can, you know, give me some give me some industrial boots and I'll walk through some sewage to the concession stands. You can't get away from the drum. No. It's three hours. I can't You believe. can't get away from the drum. And then people are pointing out that I got ratioed on Twitter. Of course, of course I got ratioed. The A's have tens of fans. They have tens of fans, and they retweeted it. So I'm, I am but a lowly Minnesota sports talk host. This is a Major League Baseball team with tens and tens of fans who retweeted and responded. Of course I got ratioed. That's going to happen. That doesn't mean I'm wrong. You're still annoying, Oakland. I feel like you did this with another fan base sometime the in the Angels. last six months. It was the Angels. That's right. My Mike Trout hot take that I wouldn't give anybody a 13-year contract and too bad nobody will see Mike Trout play baseball in Anaheim. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Like the West Coast fans just up and down the entire state of California. Giants just and Dodgers are next, and then I'll just be barred from going to Flame Cali. Them all. Yep. Sacramento Kings, San Jose Sharks. All I think them. you should just pluck all the pro teams. Just go one by one. So, uh, so Rami fighting with A's fans on Twitter last night. We got uh, we got Panic Twins fans. We're gonna bring Jason Stark onto the show when we come back here from the Athletic and MLB Network. Get his thoughts. All right, is it still like I was at BaseballReference.com? The Twins still have a ninety eight percent chance to make the playoffs according to Baseball Reference, and a ninety five percent chance to win the division. So, like that's pretty good. But that's it is solid. it is Minnesota sports. There's like there's that side of. Our brains can't get away from it. No, you can't. So uh, if you want to chime in at some point, we're going to get Jason on next. But later on, uh, if you want to chime in with Twins Panic or Twins Rationale, 651-646-8255. Mackie and Judd with Rami. They go bowling early in the day. So it's just all day drinking. And it gets real, real interesting. Mackie and Judd with Rami. That can be fun. On Score North and scorenorth.com. And now outside a ball. Yeah, I don't know. There comes, here comes a Rocco right here. He's kind of all over the place. I mentioned, you know, it's not your typical Jake Odorizzi that's semi around the plate. He's been all over the place. So a pitching change here with the A's striking for four runs against an injured Jake Odorizzi in the fourth inning. That call on Fox Sports North as uh, Jake Odorizzi left that game. After three innings with uh, what they were calling a blister on his finger, this is Mackie and Judd with Rami on Score North on 1500scorenorth.com and the Score North mobile app. And joining us now on the show, as he does every Wednesday right around this time, from the Athletic MLB Network Hall of Fame baseball writer Jason Stark. Jason, how are you this afternoon, sir? Rami, Phil, doing well. How are you guys? We're doing, doing, right. we're doing, doing well. A little nervous about the Twins. Uh. And and trivia. But we'll, we'll, we'll get to all that. Uh, Jason, unfortunately, we have to start with the sad news in, in baseball this week. And that is uh, just a couple days ago, Angels pitcher Tyler Skaggs uh, found, passed away in, in his hotel room. And the Angels got back on the field yesterday. But that doesn't mean that uh, this thing is obviously behind them by any means. This is something the Angels... And the family of Tyler Skaggs will be dealing with the rest of this season and and far beyond that. Hey, I don't think this ever goes away. You, you know, you're talking to a guy who wrote like a seven thousand word piece about Jose Fernandez, right? This spring, three years after his passing, and when I talked to Mike Redman, who managed Jose Fernandez back then. You know, we we had a conversation that lasted maybe ten minutes, and he, you know, he would he would go from laughter to tears to laughter to tears in just the snap of the fingers. And players, people in the game, uh, it's a fraternity, and it's a bond, and this is one of those things that isn't supposed to happen. And then it does. And nothing is really ever the same when it happens. So I don't think this ever leaves this group of people, ever. I would think, too, that you know, if, in order to be great as a baseball player or a manager, when you're involved in the game, you have to, it has to be the most important thing in your life, right? It has to be, I know it's, it's a game and it's entertainment to everybody else, but it has, you have to take it very seriously. And I would think when something like this happens, 
it's got to be really hard to go to the ballpark or go to work every day and get into that mindset. You know, it's just like your perspective would take over, I would think. Well, you saw how emotional everyone was, not just on their team last night, but anyone whose life Tyler Skaggs touched. Um, it was powerful stuff. Uh, to I mean, if, you take, if you're an athletic subscriber and you want to take some time today to read some of the amazing work on our site, it's emotional, and it's, it's people across the sport. Tyler Skaggs had a big personality and a big presence. You know, I, I should tell you guys, I did not know him personally. I live in the East Coast. He played on the West Coast. For whatever reason, our paths never crossed. I, I feel like that was my loss. Talking this week to people who knew him, they're crushed. Uh, he was such a vibrant personality and such a likable guy. 27 years old, just got married. His whole career was ahead of him. His whole life was ahead of him. Uh, he was just so much of a, a part of the, the heartbeat of that team. This is just heartbreaking, and everyone in baseball feels it. I'm talking with Jason Stark of The Athletic and MLB Network here on Mackey and Judd with Rami, and now is the point where I awkwardly transition into trivial things like an all-star game, Jason Stark, which uh, the Twins had two players named to the all-star game. Today it was Odorizzi out and Jose Barrios in with the the blister that got Odorizzi taken out of that game. Around here, we're sort of up in arms, those of us who care about an all-star game, that you only have two all-stars off a team that had 50 wins at the halfway point of the season. Is that out of the ordinary, though, or is this is this sort of par for the course? You know, it is hard to believe that the Mets have more all-stars than the Twins. I didn't even realize that until you just said it, Jason, and wow, now I'm so upset, I'm just going to walk out of the studio. Wow. Yeah, you know, um, there are always going to be snubs. It's a great talk show topic. We're grateful for it on on one level. But, I, you know, the thing to remember is that this is the system's fault, especially in the American League. Just do the math, right? The, the fans elect nine players. Then the players elect another 17, right? Nine position players, five starting pitchers, three relievers. That eats up 26 spots. So there's virtually no room to correct any of the injustices at that point, and you know the big, you know the big reason every team has to have an all star. God forbid, every team shouldn't have an all star. If it were up to me, if I were the king of baseball, I would do away with that. What about you guys? Yes, I mean, like, okay, Whit Merrifield's a really good player. I know. I, I, I was it Ned Yost saying this week that he put Whit Merrifield in the same sentence as Mike Trout, which is a little aggressive. I'd pump the brakes, but. <laughs> But, okay, but, uh, right. but if I'm looking at Whit Merrifield, compare, and I know it's different positions, but compared to an Eddie Rosario, or if I'm looking at, um, who was the other one, Austin Meadows, right? Well, I mean, Whit Merrifield's had a tremendous year. Austin Meadows, I believe, was a player election. What about hey, that random here? pitcher for the Orioles? That uh, What's that yeah, dude's John name? Means. John okay, Means. Okay, let's talk about I, John Means well, for a I'm second. How about for, any Oriole? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, Trey Mancini had a way better case, but there were no more spots. Uh, I'm happy for John Means. You want to look at the Marlins, I'm happy for Sandy Alcantara. Good for them. But if I was a fan of the Orioles or a fan of the Marlins, would I rearrange my schedule so I could watch those guys pitch in the All-Star game? No, I'm not. I'd rather see Chris Sale. I'd rather see Kenley Jansen. Uh I can think of a bunch of twins I would rather see than those guys. There are ways to do this, but I don't. I really don't think in this day and age this moves the needle enough to make it worthwhile. Or you want to expand the rosters, but somebody tell the managers not every all-star has to play. We could do it that way, too. Yeah, That'd I'm, be fine with me. I'm going to guess that John Means probably isn't going to be pitching in this game on Tuesday night. And no disrespect. Yeah, exactly. but uh, it ha- you know, I don't know how many innings it would have to go. <laughs> but, put it this way. Here's the rule. If, if there's a guy on the roster 
that ha- that has no chance of getting in the game unless the game goes seventeen <laughs> innings. He shouldn't be on the playoff roster. Uh, yeah, the All roster. Tough to write that rule. But suppose you have to be among the league leaders in something, right? Or I don't know what. I don't know how you would do it. it just I don't think every team needs to have an All Star in the other sports. In the NBA All-Star Game, I'm pretty sure every team is not represented. No, no. People yeah. love that game. Yeah, the Timberwolves would have had some fun fun rosters to try to represent <laughs> over the last 15 years. Yeah. Man. Talking with uh, Jason Stark of the Athletic and MLB Network here on Score North. Jason, I'm going to put you on the spot real quick here. Um, off a, a Twitter exchange I had last night with the A's fan base. I was extremely annoyed by the drum. And the Vuvuzelas. Now, I've been, for the most part, consuming National League baseball growing up as a Cubs fan and then covering the Brewers for a long time. Before I came here, I haven't had the exposure to the A's over the course of nine innings that I can remember that I had last night. And I seriously, because of a headache I had, almost turned the game off, even though it's my job and I love baseball. I just couldn't take the drum in the Vuvuzela anymore. Most <laughs> annoying stadium that Jason Stark has ever visited in his career covering Major League Baseball? The most annoying. Now, see, I don't like, I understand what you're saying. I don't find that uh, that annoying. It's, it's part of the identity of that, of, of that uh, venue. Well, part of my identity is annoying, Jason. Part of your identity <laughs> doesn't mean it's not annoying. I think we're in a separate issue now. Honestly, but, uh, <laughs> you, you know, I, like, I, I covered baseball back when they played in Montreal. That was a really bizarre place. Um, I I kind of grew to like it in a way, but uh, there were some issues with it. Um, number one, during the daytime, nobody could see, including the people playing. That was kind of an issue. That's a problem. Uh, they had a one billion dollar retractable roof that didn't retract. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a problem. They spent an extra billion dollars on the retractable roof. Wow. And it, so either it would it, you'd get rain delays because it would get stuck, or they just wouldn't bother. Um, the scoreboard, if they wanted to put to change what was on the scoreboard, anything about it—the ball count, the strike count—the entire scoreboard would have to be shut off for a second and then come back on. Wow! Wow! Uh, and then you know, just because it was just it was just kind of primitive technology. Um, every time that a pitcher would throw to first base, they would put a chicken on the scoreboard. And if you ever talk to our friend Jim Deshays, former Twins great, ask him about it sometime because he got so excited by those chickens, he once threw to first base 14 times. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted to see how many chickens they could cram onto that scoreboard. If you, if you, if you can't get the 14 Ks, you got to go for the 14 chickens, right, Jason? <laughs> you want to see some chickens? <laughs> All right. What were your What were your Metrodome thoughts? Uh, yeah, kind of. I thought the Metrodome was okay. It was again, it was odd. Uh, some of the seats didn't really face the field. <laughs> I thought that was weird. The baggy was that was a weird touch. But it, you know, it was a, a big game, and the Metrodome felt like a big game because it was so loud. And uh, you know, I'm big. I'm a big fan of atmosphere, and the atmosphere there was great. Yeah, I mean, all-time all time atmospheres in 87 to 91, and you could even say an all-time right. atmosphere for Game 163 against the Tigers 10 years ago, too. Yeah, right? Yeah. No, I, absolutely. I, you know, I could, you know, the, the Jack Morris game is one of my enduring baseball memories, and I... I you know, I remember how great those guys pitched, and I remember everything about it. More than any of it, I just remember the feeling in the building as that game went on. It was something special. And it, when I think of the Metrodome, I think of the way it felt to sit there that night. Yeah. Uh, all right, Jason Stark, uh, Twins lead has dwindled down to seven. It was 12, maybe 12 and a half at one point. Yeah. They've got Jake Odorizzi on the injured list now with a blister on his finger. They've had some injury issues. The Indians are super hot. They were the best team in the American League in June. So uh, what, what, what DEFCON level would you be at here <laughs> representing Twins fans with the lead dwindling down to seven? 
Yeah, you, you know, we play this game on Brian Kenny's show and MLB Network, Concern, Panic, Doom. Yeah. Uh, this, is, this is not panic or doom. It's concern. Okay. And, it, you know, I, every month I do one of these, what we've learned this month pieces. And at the end of May, I was working on that piece, and I was talking to another American League executive, and I said, the AL Central is over, right? And he said, seriously? <laughs> and he said, you know, the Indians, how many homestands are they going to have where they play the Tigers and Royals or some combination of the, the, the Royals and White Sox or the Tigers and Orioles or whatever? And, you know, it just, it, it just, all it takes is one homestand like that where you go seven and two, twins have a couple guys banged up, you make up ground. And the way the American League works. <laughs> <laughs> That was not a Vuvuzela, right? <laughs> no, that was a panic uh, just alarm. Just a panic alarm. Just a panic alarm. Okay. Look, the way the Mercury works is you've got to beat the bad teams. So the Indians are 8-1 and one against the Tigers. They're 5-1 and one against the Mariners. They're 4-0 against the Blue Jays. And that's what they do. The one reason that I could see this being elevated to panic is the Indians always seem like they're better in the second half than they are in the first half. So I looked this up. (laughs) (laughs) How many games over 500 do you think the Indians are after the break over the last three years? Enough to to make Twins fans nervous, I'm guessing. Yeah, 57. What? 57? 57 So so you're talking about a season and a half, basically. Three. Yeah, basically. So they're like a that's over a 100 win pace, a 110 win pace in the second half of the season. Yeah, that's accurate. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but even if they did that, the Twins would have to play. I don't. Know, I'm not going to sit here and try and do the math on the fly, Jason. But the Twins would have to play like I'm guessing like 300 baseball for for the the Indians to catch them. Even if they did play 110 yeah, win pace. The, the, the Twins are going to win a division. No team, if I remember this off the top of my head, has blown a 12-game lead at any point in a season over the, the second-place team. Right? There's the Indians coming from 12 back since the 51 Dodgers and Giants. I'm doing math Almost right sure that's right. <laughs> now, the, the second place, I mean, the, the teams have come from farther back than that to win, but I'm talking about the first-place team's lead of 12 or more. Okay. And then didn't win. I'm going to do some math on this. So the Indians, if the Twins played 500 baseball the rest of the way. <laughs> the magic number right now is 72. 72? 72, yeah. Okay. Well, if the Twins went 39 and 39 the rest of the way, uh, that would put them, carry the four. Let's see here. <laughs> <laughs> that would put them at 90, 92 and 70. So 92 and 70. That's if they play 500 the rest of the season. They finish with 92 wins. The Indians would have to finish. So there's 32, 46 plus 46. The Indians would have to finish. uh, What is it? Is my math right on this? 46 and 32 the rest of the way? I'm going to say. That sounds right. Yeah. yeah. 46 plus 46 is 90. Yeah. If the Twins play 500 the rest of the way, the Indians have to go 46 and 32 to tie the Twins and force a game 163. The Twins get to play the. Tigers and the Royals too, right? <laughs> yes, they, they are on the schedule. That is true. That yeah. is correct. All right, yeah. Jason Stark, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish did, one. By the way, I did this. I did the research earlier this year. I just went back and took another look. Uh, only two first place teams in the World Series era have had a lead of eleven games or more over the second place team, and not one. The '95 Angels had an eleven game lead in August. That was not a 12-game lead. And that, they're making a documentary of that that you can see in MLB Network in oh, this wow. month. And then the 51 Dodgers led by 13 on August 11th, and the Giants caught them. So okay. that this would have to be the, the reenactment of the Giants and Dodgers and Bobby Thompson. Well, it's a good thing Minnesota sports teams don't have a propensity to blow massive leads or have uh, epic failure. Let's do some trivia with Jason Stark here from the Athletic and MLB Network. What do you got for us? I got a fun one for you. Um, Over the last 40 years, which is basically since Harmon Killebrew retired, only two twins have ever had more home runs at the All-Star break. Then your guy, Max Kepler, has now, which is 21. You just have to name those two. 
All right. So two twins that had more home runs than Max Kepler currently does at the All-Star break in the last 40 years. Manny, we're going to need your help on this one yeah, for Manny sure. Manny has an encyclopedia. I can't help you guys because I already know the answer. Jason oh, gave me the wow. answer. Oh, wow. Right. So. <laughs> you guys right. are on your own. I apologize. Well, considering, uh, considering the twins during the peak of the steroid era once had a team leader for the season under 20 home runs. <laughs> that be Ron Coomer. Yeah, you can eliminate some years, yeah. This is tough. All right. I'm going to say Josh Willingham has to be one of them. Is that your final answer? Yeah. One of them. Yeah, it's wrong. Oh, my God. He peaked at 19 that year, 2012. One of these guys did it twice. Twice. My go-to answer is always just Kirby Puckett. I'll throw Kirby Puckett out there, Jason. Is it Kirby Puckett? Kirby Puckett? I'm going to buzz you on that. Kirby's most was 16. That's not bad. That's not bad. Okay. Did Justin Morneau ever get that hot early? I'll say Justin Morneau. Yeah, he's the the guy that did it twice. Okay. Should have guessed him first. did it once. You have to go back a little ways now. Um, Man, last 40 years. You've guessed this guy before. (laughs) For other answers? Bob Allison? Yeah, he is a human... Trivia answer for this show. Bob Allison? No, Tom, Tom Bernanski. He didn't fit in the time frame, 40 years. Tom Bernanski. This is just getting sad. All right, all right. 19 was Tom Bernanski, but his teammate was... Ken Herbeck. Herbie. Ken Herbeck hit 23 at the break in 1987. Boy, that is just... I, right. I'm a shameful Kent human Kent Herbeck being. has been the answer to so many... From now on, I'm just answering Kent Herbeck to everything you ask. <laughs> he's, a, he's the Todd Helton of his generation. Yep. All right, Jason. Enjoy uh, your 4th of July, and we'll talk to you in the second half of the season. That sounds great, man. Thanks. All right, Thanks, Jason. Jason Stark from The Athletic and from MLB Network. Kent Herbeck. All right. So he... So it sounds like Jason was... More on the panic side, like he 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 didn't say full fledged panic, but he said concern, and then he talked to an American League executive or a MLB executive. But he also said the Twins are winning the AL Central. He just yeah, said that after, to after us. he said he got laughed at by a GM somewhere when he said the division's over, right? And the guy's like, "What are you a moron?" Not every GM is smart. <laughs> Maybe it was the Royals GM. Yeah, he might have been talking to. We don't know. He could have been talking to Seattle's GM. Seattle's GM. There are a lot of dumb GMs around this league. He could have been talking to. Are we going to play the uh, the Wolves free agency game when we come back? Uh, I did was not able to print out any pictures. Of, oh no, of, uh, players. They okay. got a little tied up today with raised by Wolves and it's everything. Okay. But let's play it. We'll play, let's play it next. It'll be more fun when Judd's here. Yeah, let's that's play, true. Let's play it next week. Our own version of who he play for, basically. Yes, yeah. we'll do it next week. Now, what we do have, though, Wolves related. So Sam Mitchell, Sam Mitchell thinks he sees, he thinks he's the Wiggins whisperer. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna play some audio from Sam Mitchell, who coached Andrew Wiggins early in his career, and we'll decide is he the Wiggins whisperer? Are are other coaches doing things wrong with Wiggins? I thought or, we don't we ha- didn't we have a Wiggins whisperer on the show? Didn't he make an appearance once? Well, Gerson Rosas was hopefully going to be the Wiggins whisperer. No, you. One day on the show, we're the Wiggins whisperer. Was you, I? Yeah, you just whispered, stop shooting mid-range oh. strippers. <laughs> Play <laughs> some defense. <laughs> Set a screen. <laughs> Do something. Shoot a corner three. It's the only thing you're good at. And getting to the free throw line, but then you don't make the free throws. <laughs> Federated Mutual Insurance Company is here to help business owners. I'm not sure if they protect sports franchises, but you can find out a full list of the businesses that Federated does protect at federatedinsurance.com. Uh, I'm sure they'd have some advice for uh, for basketball teams. They've got a century of experience in making businesses as successful as they can be. And I can tell you guys, I've been a business owner myself. I'm very familiar with the ups and the downs, the daily grind, solving problems, taking care of employees, but also the exhilaration of those incremental wins. You want someone, a face-to-face relationship, let's call it, with an insurance company that understands that roller coaster ride and that can be there every step of the way for you and, uh, let's let's face it, your family, your family away from your family. Federatedinsurance.com to find your local Federated Marketing Rep and Federated Insurance. Remember, it's our business to protect yours. Mackie and Judd with Rami on the all-new Score North.
The Score North mobile app. We hired a bunch of nerds, nerds. to make us a cool app. Which is short for application. Compute the value of pi. The Score North mobile app. Receive mobile alerts when Minnesota sports news is breaking. You can listen live and on demand with the Score North mobile app. The longer you listen, the more points you rack up for potential rewards and prizes. Listen to Score North on the Score North mobile app. Available in the Apple and Google Play Store. Mackie and Judd with Ron. On Score North and scorenorth.com. Also available on demand on the Score North mobile app, Spotify, Apple, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Hey guys, it's Danny with Look at the Score North download for you or 15 minutes in front of 5 o'clock. As you may know, the Timberwolves signed forward Noah Vonley to a one year, $2 million contract for anybody that's interested. Got a little nugget for you on Noah Vonley. The, uh, Last time he played significantly well against a Minnesota team, he was uh, playing for the Indiana Hoosiers back in 2014 against Ooh. the Gophers at Williams Arena, and uh, the Gophers won the game 66-60, to but Noah Von Lee, solid game, 12 points, 12 rebounds, an assist, two blocks, a steal, probably better than right. most games Andrew Wiggins has had with, with the Wolves. Wow. So. What an unnecessary cheap shot. See? That's the score north download. Manny Hill's the... Like, Manny Hill always is up for Andrew Wiggins' cheap shot. I don't know. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, I'm always the one. <laughs> oh, Manny's a cheap man. shot artist. He is. That's what he's known for. You should res- you should respect players who have, who have, by the way, become second in scoring in franchise history, okay? And all you want to do is take cheap shots at Andrew Wiggins. Is, is he, he really second, second or- all time? Someone posted on Twitter a moving graph of the history he of franchise second all time scores. So KG's number one, obviously. Yeah. And like Doug West was number one for 15 years, and then KG passed him, and then all of a sudden Towns and Wiggins went up. It's it's in some order. It's KG one, and then Cat and Wiggins are two and three. I think Kevin Wiggins Love's is been bumped, bumped down. I'm guessing. Yeah, then. Love is fourth now. No, actually, I'm sorry. Love is fifth. Sam Mitchell is fourth. Okay, which is yeah, a pretty that, good segue. That makes sense. Yeah. So Sam Mitchell, Manny, where, what, was he on NBA TV or what was this from? This was uh, the other day. Was NBA TV was a panel of him, uh, Rex Chapman, and uh, Steve Ashburner and uh, their studio host, whose name escapes me. Rex Chapman, were they just doing blocker charge the whole segment? <laughs> the best Twitter account ever on the internet? So uh, this is Sam Mitchell, who has thoughts on the development or lack thereof of Andrew Wiggins. First of all, his talent is off the chart. Second, you're talking about a good young man. Andrew Wiggins is a good young man. Never was a problem in the locker room. A fantastic teammate. And for the days that you really needed to get him going, all I had to do, instead of yelling and screaming at him in front of 20,000 people, you call him in your office, you tell him what he's not doing, you show it to him on film, and you can have that tough conversation with him one-on-one. But Andrew Wiggins is like, like a lot of players that we've all been around and coach. You can't coach everybody the same. You can't throw out a blanket and, and coach everybody the same. You have to coach these players today as individuals. And with him, if he goes to the right situation with the right coach that's going to push him the right way and put him at the right position, th- this kid talent is untapped. And people don't understand about this kid. This kid can flat out play. Okay. So Sam Mitchell's basically saying, he's, you heard the line there about, you can't just get out there and yell and scream at him in front of 20,000 people. Well, that's a Tom Thibodeau thing. Right. right? That he was talking about Tom Thibodeau. Yes. yes. So I two takeaways from the Sam Mitchell comment on Andrew Wiggins. Number one, I don't know if I, I don't know if I buy into, well, if you just bring him in your office before key games and tell him, here's what you need to do. Like, I want a self-motivator. If I'm going to pay $30 million a year and it's a number one overall pick, I'd hope that I don't have to call him into the office on a regular basis to be like, all right, here's what we're going to do today. You're playing you're playing LeBron James. You don't want to okay? have to do it on a regular basis, but I've always hated the notion that this guy makes this much money. You should never have to motivate or coach him. Like, money doesn't make you not human. Yeah. We all go to work on a given day and aren't maybe aren't feeling it, or you you just... You just get out of track. You fall into some bad habits. Whatever the case might be, it happens to every one of us. And having being a boss or a coach and having to pull the guy in and say, hey, man, I don't know if you noticed that you were doing this, but uh, you're doing this and we need you to stop it. Or you're yeah. not doing this and we need you to get back to doing it. That's that's a fair point. I think with, with Wiggins, it seems like, okay, he's he's only showing up five or six times on his own in a regular season. 
Uh, sometimes he responds to external things like, okay, coach gets fired. Ryan Saunders is the coach. Well, now I'm going to put up 40 because I'm interested, right? Now I think people just have to say, hey, Andrew, we're playing the, the Hornets tonight, and uh, they just traded for LeBron James. So yeah. <laughs> we need you to play every, well. Every team either traded for LeBron James or traded you away, so <laughs> be motivated. But my second takeaway from this is that Sam Mitchell's 100% right if his point is Andrew Wiggins was better under me because I knew how to coach him. The one year Andrew Wiggins played for Sam Mitchell was 2015-16. He was only 20 years old. And if you go look at his five years in the NBA and just look at some of the key measurables, 2015-16 was by far his best shooting percentage. It was If you want to go into the deep into the weeds, it was his best player efficiency rating. It was his best true shooting percentage, which accounts for all kinds of context. It was his best win shares for advanced metrics. Like everything about him in his five years points to 2015 16 as a 20 year old being his best season in the NBA. So I do give credit to Sam Mitchell for being able to push the buttons and unlock him. Maybe Sam Mitchell was the Wiggins whisperer. Hey, come into my office. I'm going to tell you why you shouldn't shoot long twos, <laughs> Andrew. And at this Psst. point, Stop at, shooting those Kobe fadeaways. Yes, you're not Kobe. They weren't even efficient shots for Kobe. He made like two out of nine. <laughs> at this Andrew. point, you're in deep enough that whatever it takes to get the most out of Andrew Wiggins, you got to do it, don't you? You can't just go, well, we shouldn't have to. We shouldn't have to call him into the office every day and remind him of what he should and should not be doing. Mm-hmm. You already paid the dude. Glenn Taylor already made that decision. You're now in a position, in a situation where Andrew Wiggins is yours. So sitting back and going, we shouldn't have to do that with this guy. That's not going to get you anywhere. That's not going to get you anything that you haven't already gotten out of Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. You need you need to, and I know nobody likes hearing this, you need to cater to Andrew Wiggins' needs. You almost have to coddle him and do whatever you can possibly do to tap more into the potential that is there because the potential is there. The guy is a freak physically and can do some things on a basketball court when he's into it. But the funny thing is, like he's he's a freak in certain ways, physically and athletically, but he's also there's there's certain parts about his game that are very basic and fundamental. Like he can't dribble. You watch him watch him in crunch time when when teams have been watching you for scouting you for several weeks leading up to a game and it's the fourth quarter and they've gotten a feel for you for two hours and how quickly they pick they pick his pocket when he does that spin move in the lane or how how much of a propensity he has two or three times a game to just dribble out of control out of bounds or something. So there's things like that that I guess I'll meet you halfway with this. I don't think he's ever going to be the player that you're paying him to be and the player that he was supposed to be five years ago. But I think a smart coaching staff, you know, what Sam Mitchell's saying is right. There are buttons you can push. And the fact that Andrew Wiggins didn't get traded in the last week or so means he's probably going to be on the roster this year. And so you benefit in two ways by unlocking him to some degree, not like unlocking him to his full potential, because I think that ship has sailed. But if you unlock him, A, he helps you win more games this year and going forward, but B, he increases his trade value for when you eventually do want to get out from underneath the 100 plus million dollars left on that thing, right? Yeah. So, I think I think it's pretty easy to come in and show him like anyone, any of the three of us could show him what's wrong in terms of like what you shouldn't be shooting these shots. You need to be better at dribbling and you need to be more energetic and engaged for a 48 minute period. Like you, if you just play with energy, you're going to play some defense. Sure. Play any defense. Yeah. But there's games where if he's engaged defensively, if he decides I'm going to shut somebody down tonight, he does. Like there's games where he's going to be in someone's hip pocket for 40 minutes, but there's guys like Andre Iguodala during his prime that were just like 82 games a season. And Andre Iguodala was going to be in the hip pocket of the best player on the, on the opposing team. Yeah. And then, and like, that's because Andre Iguodala wakes up in the morning and his alarm clock is his motivation. I know this is somewhat cliche, but defense in the NBA is it's simply want to optional. Yeah. Every single guy in that league has the athletic ability and whatever other physical tools and traits that it takes to be, at the very least, a decent defender. Do you want to? Do you want to use that energy and give enough of a crap in practice on that side of the court? Yeah. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. Manny, where are you at? If, if he's a Timberwolf this year, where are mm-hmm. you at with what we should expect from 
this organization and Gerson Rosas and Ryan Saunders, like what can they get out of Andrew Wiggins? I think what they have to do is find and try to enhance the things that he does well and try to hide the weaknesses, which I don't think Tom Thibodeau did a very good job of having him. First of all, he's running a system that had him taking a lot of allowed him to take a lot of long twos. And then the fact that he wasn't, Andrew wasn't really being held accountable for taking bad shots like that, that I think led to him continuing to to, to keep taking them all the time. I think they have to put in a standard in, in place for him and say, look, these 19-foot jumpers that you've been shooting for the last five years you've been in the league, that ain't going to fly anymore. Like, you got you to stop doing that. And if you don't, then we're going to put you on the bench and put somebody else in who's going to listen to what we're doing and try to buy into the system that we're actually playing. Like Andrew can't be allowed to just go off and 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 sort of do his own thing. And I think that was part of the part of the issue with especially when Tom Thibodeau was coaching because yeah. he just wasn't holding him accountable for it. He was just he was yelling at anybody and everybody. Tom Thibodeau was, but he wasn't really holding Andrew Wiggins accountable for the shortcomings in his game. Yeah. Uh, maybe they just bring back Sam Mitchell. Just <laughs> Sam Mitchell, you're going to be Andrew Wiggins' personal assistant coach. You're going to be the Wiggins whisperer. Yeah. Yeah. You guys can just go hang out, go do your thing, well, go practice together. Well, I think <laughs> Well, I think that might be why they brought in David Vanderpool. Because David Vanderpool has a connection with Wiggins working with like Team Canada over the years. So maybe maybe he's the guy that's can pull Andrew together or pull him aside and just say, "Come on, let's Stop playing video games. Yeah. <laughs> you can play video games and still be a productive human being, I think. Can't you? Not not in this league. <laughs> not anymore. All right, so you cried. I didn't you cry. Cried. I didn't cry. I welled up. I welled up at watching the 30 for 30 about Joey Chestnut and... Takiro Kobayashi last night. Let's let's talk about this. It'll I, make total sense to you. You you stay stoic during Dude, Toy I, Story three. I completely. I'll get into it afterwards. I can't it, wait. To I'll hear say this it was unexpected. That's all I'll say. All right. Rami will uh, will bear his emotions when we come back. Plus, in other news, in the next hour, Mackie and Jeb with Rami on the all new Score North and the Score North mobile app. TCL is excited for National Cut the Cord Day. This Sunday, July 7th, and they're celebrating Cut the Cord Day all week long with a huge giveaway. The number of cord cutters continues to grow in America as cost savings and viewing flexibility become increasingly important. I'm sure there's a lot of cord cutters listening right now. And that's why throughout the entire week this week, TCL is helping people break free from cords. It's in the middle right now of seven days of cord cutting from now through July 7th. Each day, TCL is going to give away a TV and additional product and services that add to the cord cutting experience. Seven winners each day this week, and on July 7th, one grand prize winner will be selected. Find new tips, prizes, and opportunities for you to start your cord cutting journey at TCLUSA.com. TCLUSA.com. Check back daily through National Cord Cutting Week up until this Sunday, July 7th. Rami bears it all when we come back. Mackie and Jeb with Rami on the all-new Score North and the Score North mobile app. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Right now, get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton Shred. Accessories like non-slip grip resistance bands, a heart rate monitor, yoga blocks, and more. Take your workout to the next level with Peloton, motivation that moves you. Hurry, this limited-time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access memberships separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.